Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the book of Isaiah that we've been reading and preaching through over the past six weeks. Lord, I'm just so struck by how beautiful and how encouraging your word is. Even in the prophets of old, even in the prophet of Isaiah who prophesied over 700 years before Jesus Christ is born, we see the good news of Jesus Christ so clearly and brilliantly and beautifully. I thank you for the way in which Isaiah has pointed our eyes to Jesus Christ and lifted our hearts and encouraged us. Lord, I'm just so grateful and thankful. I'm, I'm all too aware, Lord, that my words are just powerless to truly convey the beauty of you, the majesty of you, your glory and your power. And so, Lord, I pray for your help now. Holy Spirit, help me preach in truth. And Lord, may the words that I preach not just be words, but come with the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you move in the hearts and minds of everyone listening? I pray you bring salvation in the homes watching this video this morning, Lord God. I pray that there would be at least one person who's not saved, who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ, who would watch today and have their heart changed. Would they trust in Jesus Christ for the first time, Lord God? And I pray for all the Christians watching and listening and may you encourage them and challenge them and move them on with their walk with you, Lord God. May they grow in holiness as a consequence of reading Isaiah chapter 12 in this sermon that I'm about to preach. Come, Lord God, have your way, do your will, do amazing things in us, Lord. You're the God of great and mighty deeds. You're you're the God who has transformed lives. And I pray now, You would work your will in us as we hear your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In these dark and difficult days, do you want comfort and safety? Do you want strength and fearlessness? Do you want a reason to give thanks this morning? Do you want joy and singing in your life? I know you do. I know you do want those those things. Who wouldn't want those things in their life? Well, Isaiah chapter 12, our passage for this morning, teaches us where we can receive those things. Even now, during this this coronavirus crisis. Isaiah 12 teaches us that we can have comfort and safety. We can have strength and fearlessness. We can have joy and singing. We can give thanks. And so I'm excited to preach from Isaiah chapter 12 this morning. I pray and hope that everyone watching would know comfort, would know strength, would know joy from God as a consequence of the things we read in Isaiah chapter 12. Come listen in this morning. Listen in for those things that you might receive comfort and joy and strength and fearlessness and singing in your life. But before I read from Isaiah chapter 12, I want to remind you of the journey we've taken as a church over the past six weeks. Uh, For the past six weeks, we've preached from Isaiah chapter 7 through to now in Isaiah chapter 12. 
we preached Isaiah 1 to 6 back in uh, 2019, so you can listen online to those sermons um, that we preached in Isaiah chapter 1 to 6. But in this little mini Isaiah series, we've preached from Isaiah 7 to Isaiah 12. And I want to remind you of the journey we've taken because in Isaiah chapter 7, we were told that Isaiah was prophesying at a time when King Ahaz and the nation of Judah were filled with fear. They were threatened by enemies and there was the threat of invasion. And so the people of Jerusalem, the people of Judah and King Ahaz himself were filled with fear. And so Isaiah chapter 7 is, a, is actually a, a chapter of God's comfort spoken to Ahaz and spoken to the people of Judah that they will have help, that they will have deliverance from the foes who threaten them. Then in Isaiah chapter 8, King Ahaz rejects God's help. And so although God does deliver them from the enemies as promised in Isaiah chapter 7, he also raises up a greater enemy, the, the empire of Assyria come. And God says, I'm raising up the empire of Assyria to conquer Israel as a punishment for your sins. And so Isaiah chapter 8 is a, is a chapter about the anger of God. Z 7 was about God's comfort. Chapter 8 is about God's anger. And then at the beginning of chapter 9, there's comfort again. A child will be born. The Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one, the saviour of Israel will be born. And he will bring peace. So the beginning of chapter nine is God's comfort. But then in the second half of chapter nine and throughout chapter 10, it's all about God's anger against sin again. The Israelites will be punished for their sin of arrogance. And not only the Israelites, but also the Assyrians. The Assyrians will be punished for their pride and for their arrogance. There's something terrifying about Isaiah chapter 10 and the righteous fury of God upon sin described in that chapter. So chapter 7, comfort. Chapter 8, anger. The beginning of chapter 9, comfort. Chapter 10, anger. And then chapter 11, comfort again. The Spirit-anointed Messiah, Jesus Christ, who's full of wisdom and understanding, who's full of counsel and might, who has knowledge of God and fears the Lord. He shall come and have victory in the land and bring peace. Isaiah chapter 12 then is a chapter of rejoicing at the victory of Jesus described in chapter 11. You have this roller coaster of comfort and then anger and then comfort and then anger and then anger and then comfort and then chapter 12 comes in and this chapter all about rejoicing and giving thanks for the victory of Jesus Christ in chapter 11. And so let each of us, all of us who have trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation, let all of us rejoice according to the instructions of Isaiah chapter 12. As I read this, if you're a Christian, I want you to think, is this my life? Am I full of praise? Am I full of thanksgiving like Isaiah chapter 12 describes? And if you're not a Christian, ask yourself, do I want this? Do I want this in my life? And if so, what do I have to do? Let me read to you Isaiah chapter 12. I'm going to read the whole chapter, but it's only six verses. So I'm reading Isaiah chapter 12, verses 1 to 6. Isaiah chapter 12, verses 1 to 6. You will say in that day, 
I will give thanks to you, O Lord. For though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. So in Isaiah chapter 11, Isaiah describes the glorious triumph of Jesus Christ, bringing peace and justice to the world. And chapter 12 describes how individual Christians and the church should respond to Jesus's magnificence described in chapter 11. So you have this chapter of success and victory of Jesus, and then you have this chapter of response in Isaiah chapter 12. And I can see five ways in which Christians should respond to the victory of Jesus Christ in Isaiah chapter 12. Firstly, Christians should give thanks to the Lord. Secondly, Christians should trust in God and not be afraid. Thirdly, Christians should draw water from the wells of salvation. Fourthly, Christians should proclaim God's name and God's glorious deeds. And fifthly, Christians should sing and shout of the Holy One of Israel. They should sing and praise God for who he is and all that he has done. We should give thanks. We should trust. We should draw water from the world of salvation. We should proclaim God's name and deeds. And we should sing and shout this morning because of the goodness of Jesus Christ and his victory over evil. So firstly, having a look at verse one. Let's talk about how Christians should give thanks to the Lord. It says that in verse one and it's repeated in verse four. It says in verse one, Isaiah says in verse one, in that day. He means from Jesus's first coming described at the start of Isaiah 11 through to the eternal kingdom of peace established in chapter 11, established when Jesus shall return and come a second time. In that day, in those days, uh, from Jesus's first coming into eternity, you will say, in that day, you will say, Isaiah is speaking to us in verse one, in that day, you will say, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. It's a great start to the chapter. We should be saying in these days, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. You know, in lockdown, it's easy to grumble and moan about all the things we can't do. I wonder whether you found yourself doing that, grumbling and moaning about all the things you can't do, about all your struggles in your life and your challenges. I wonder whether you've become a grumbler and a moaner during lockdown. I tell you the truth, 
Christians, those who know the salvation of Jesus Christ, should not be grumbling and moaning, but should be full of thanksgiving to God. Why? Why should Christians be full of thanksgiving even now during lockdown? Well, the answer is in that verse, in verse 1, because we do not live under God's anger anymore, but we live in God's comfort. Christians do not live under God's anger, but they live in God's comfort. And that should fill us with thanksgiving. You know, as I've already mentioned, Isaiah chapter 7 to 11 was full of depictions terrifying depictions of God's wrath. We, we learned that because God is perfectly good, he is angry and wrathful against all evil. And because God is perfectly just, he must punish all wrongdoing. And so God's justice is expressed in wrath against sin. And because of this, all of us, all of us who have done wrong things, and that includes all of us watching and listening to this video, all of us have done things wrong, all of us have been selfish, all of us have been proud, all of us have lied, all of us have hurt the people whom we loved, all of us have done things wrong, all of us have sinned against the living God. And because of this, all of us were at one time under God's wrath, under God's anger. In fact, if you're not a Christian watching this this morning, thank you so much for watching. But if you're not a Christian watching this this morning, you are still under the anger of God against sin. That's a scary place to be. It's scary to be under the wrath and anger of God. But Christians can give thanks today and every day because in 1 John 2 verse 2 Jesus is described as the propitiation for our sins. In 1 John 2 verse 2 Jesus is described as the propitiation for our sins. Now what that word propitiation means is this, that Jesus through his death upon the cross changes, propitiates, changes God's attitude towards us from anger to love and comfort. On the cross, Jesus took away our sin so that instead of receiving God's anger upon sin, for God is justly and rightly angry against all who have sinned, but when Jesus on the cross takes our sin away, Jesus replaces God's anger, he appeases God's anger, he propitiates God's anger, and instead we receive God's love and comfort. This is the gift. This is the good news for all who believe in Jesus Christ, that God is no longer angry with you. Instead, he wants to comfort you and pour out his love upon you. So if you would not call yourself a Christian this morning, I pray that right now God would give you the gift of faith, that you would trust in Jesus Christ. And as you trust in Jesus Christ, Jesus' death upon the cross becomes effective.
perspective for you so that God's anger is turned from anger into comfort and love. And if you are a Christian this morning, give thanks. God was angry with you for your sin, but now God's heart towards you has changed forever, eternally. God's heart towards you is no longer anger, but comfort. For eternity, God will not be angry at you, for you are washed clean. Your sin has been taken away by the death of Christ. Instead of being angry towards you, God will forever for eternity, pour comfort into your life. Even now in lockdown, as we struggle, as some families mourn the death of loved ones, as some people struggle with the anxiety that their loved ones might be vulnerable to the disease, as we struggle with mental health struggles and all the things that come through lockdown and this coronavirus crisis, God will pour his comfort into your life. For Jesus died to turn God's anger towards you into comfort and love. And as a consequence of that, Christians every day, every moment, have numerous reasons to give thanks to God. And so I'd encourage you, make it a part of your daily routine to give thanks to God, particularly for Jesus' death upon the cross, particularly that you are no longer under God's anger, but instead are receiving the comfort of God. Our God, who is described as the God of all comfort, grants you comfort, not anger, but comfort to all who believe in Christ. So firstly, from Isaiah chapter 12, Christians should give thanks always. Will you say with Isaiah in chapter 12, I will give thanks to the Lord my God. Secondly, from verse 2, Christians trust and are not afraid. Be full of faith, Christian, and do not be afraid today. Even during this time, even if you yourself fall ill, even if someone you love falls ill, even if someone you love would pass away from coronavirus, even if you would lose your job or be put on furlough and fear losing your job even if you're struggling with anxiety and mental health even if you have other challenges which aren't related to coronavirus but you know life is full of challenges and lots of things that that um, work against us which burden us in this time even if you're going through the worst possible things right now trust god be not afraid trust in God. For as it says in verse 2, God is your strength, God is your song, and God is your salvation. I love those words in verse 2. God is your strength, your song, and your salvation. Those words actually in verse 2 are words that Moses sang in Exodus chapter 15 after the Israelites passed through the Red Sea and got to the other side and then the Egyptian army that were chasing the Israelites were caught in the waves. The, the, the sea came back together and wiped out the whole Egyptian army, but the Israelites were safe on the other side. Moses sang this wonderful song and he included these words speaking about the strength of God, speaking about God as our song, speaking about God as our salvation. You know, Moses knew that God was his strength. 
He knew God was strong, for God had just defeated Pharaoh. The Israelites had not escaped through their own strength. It was God's strength that drove back the waters of the Red Sea and then brought them back together to defeat Pharaoh, who was at that time the most powerful man on the planet. How much more than Moses do we know God's strength? For in Christ, God defeated man's greatest foes, sin and death. You know, thousands of years ago, he defeated Pharaoh and saved the Israelites. Well, but now, 2000 years ago, in the person of Christ, God defeats sin and death. It's not by our strength, our own strength that we are saved, but it's by God's strength. We were not mighty to defeat sin. We were not mighty to defeat death. But God was mighty. God was strong. Jesus Christ on the cross and in his resurrection defeated sin and death. We know that God is our strength. He was so mighty, he defeated sin and death. Moses knew that God was his song. God's triumph over Egypt and the freedom that the Israelites now walked into filled Moses' heart with joy. It was overflowing with joy such that he burst into the song of praise, praising God. This uplifting song which declared the goodness of God. How much more do we have a reason to sing? We can sing of our eternal future, won by Jesus, which is truly glorious. We can sing that God's anger towards us has now turned into comfort through the death of Christ. We can sing of the glorious inheritance we have in the future to come and at a heavenly realm, the new heavens and the new earth, full of love and peace and justice with no more death, no more tears, no more pain. There's nothing more worthy of song than our glorious God. And so we can truly say God is our strength and God is our song. And most importantly, Moses knew God was his salvation. Moses and his people had been rescued out of slavery in Egypt and eventually into the promised land. Moses knew that God was his salvation. How much more do we know that to be true, that God is our salvation? We were lost in sin. We had rebelled against God. We were headed towards eternal destruction and eternal pain. And yet Jesus Christ in love came down to earth to bring about our salvation to die on the cross for our sins, to rise again from the dead in glory that we might have eternal life. And then he poured out his Holy Spirit so that we might be transformed in our hearts, turned around from our sin and turned back to Jesus Christ, that we might walk into eternal life with God forever and ever. We have a glorious salvation. We know that God is our strength. It is by God's strength that we have been saved. We know that God is our song to sing of his beauty and his glory is magnificent and we know above all that God is our salvation he has rescued us he has saved us from death into eternal life and so I love verse 2 I love Moses's song in Exodus 15 and these are great reasons to trust in God he is our strength to persevere he is our song to bring joy in the darkness And he is our salvation to save us through all things into eternal life. And so if you're struggling to trust God today, if you're struggling with fear today, remind yourself 
of God's strength. Remind yourself of the song of God that we can sing and remind yourself most of all that God is your salvation. Those things will increase your trust, increase your faith and drive out fear from your heart. So firstly, Christians in response to Jesus' victory give thanks. Secondly, they um, trust in God and do not fear. Thirdly, Christians draw water from the wells of salvation. Verse 3 is a beautiful poetic picture and it's a joy to explain it to you this morning. First though, let me show you this. In verses 1 and 2, the you in verses 1 and 2 was singular. You will say, I will give thanks to the Lord my God, it says in verse 1, and that you is singular. So in verses 1 and 2, the instructions Isaiah is, uh, is giving is to individual Christians. Individual Christians should give thanks to God. Individual Christians should trust God. If you want to be saved this morning, you as an individual need to trust God in your heart. But in verse 3, that changes. So in verse 1 and 2, it's all about an individual Christian responding to Christ's victory. But from verse 3 onwards, the yous are plural. You know, if we were from the deep south in the United States of America, we might translate verse 3 this way. We might say, with joy, y'all, you all, will draw water from the wells of salvation. That the you there is plural. It's not a singular you. It's a collective you. Isaiah is talking to Christians, plural. He's talking to the church. And this is very important that all the all the commands of verses three to six are plural, collective commands for the church to do, not just as individual Christians, but together. And this is this is important. Our response to Jesus's glorious victory in chapter 11 should be individual, but should also be collective. Christians, individual Christians are meant to be part of a community. Individual Christians are meant to be part of the church. We come together to give thanks in verse 4. So individually we give thanks in verse 1, but collectively we give thanks in verse 4. You know, I know that there are many people who would call themselves Christians, but who are not part of a local church. They do God, they do God by themselves. And such people, it would seem to me, rebel against God's commandments throughout the Bible and rebel against these commandments here in Isaiah chapter 12, that we are supposed to be a community of believers. Christians should be part of a local church and they should be um, contributing to the community of Christians in their local town. If you're not part of a local church, if you're not pressing into community in your local area, then I think you're disobeying the commands of God in Scripture. You are not responding to Jesus' victory the way Isaiah would have us respond in Isaiah chapter 12. And so if you're not part of a local church, I would urge you to make contact with a local church. You can contact us today on our website or by email or on Facebook or on YouTube. Drop us a comment, drop us an email. We will respond. We'd love to make you part of our community, even during lockdown now. 
This also serves as an important reminder to us, all who are part of Christchurch Fair and all who are pressing into community, it would remind us that we need to fight for genuine community even at this time during lockdown. Are you phoning people in the church and sending texts to people in the church to stay in relationship with them? Are you joining in on our Zoom prayer meetings and our Zoom calls so that we can stay encouraging one another? Are you sending emails? Even people who don't have access online, who can't watch these videos, I'm still in contact with those people who are part of our church and they're still connecting in and they're still bringing things that are contributing to the church so each and every one of us can have genuine community even now during lockdown. And I would urge you as a member of Christ Church Fair and press into that for the yous in Isaiah chapter 12 verses 3 to 6 are plural. It's about collectively responding together. So, we together, in verse 3, are to joyously draw water from the wells of salvation. As I say, I love the poetry here. Water here represents life and refreshment. You know, in order to live, you need to drink water. And in order to be refreshed, uh, before they had taps, you had to go to the well and draw up water to live and be refreshed. And so the picture here is not that a Christian believes once in Jesus Christ and then ignores any thought of salvation. You know, a Christian has a salvation moment and then from that point onwards they turn away from that and they just go and live on their life, ignoring, not thinking about the salvation they have in Christ. That's not the picture here. No, the picture here is of a Christian who once, for the first time, receives salvation in Jesus Christ. But they would go back daily, drawing water from the well in order that they might have life and refreshment in Christ. As Christians, we need to remember constantly and always that Jesus has saved us. That's remembering and reminding and praising Jesus for the salvation we have received is the equivalent of going to the well and drawing water in order to live. And when we do that, we bring ourselves life again. We receive life from Jesus once again. And so if you want to have life to the full, you need to go back to the well again and again and again. You need to keep bringing up water. Jesus is an everlasting spring of life and water. I mean to keep going back to him for life, but also refreshment. And I sense that there are some in our church who are feeling weary, who are feeling drained, who need a refreshing from God. And I say to you this morning, go back, remind yourself of Jesus' death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, his ascension into heaven. Remind yourself of the Holy Spirit that's been poured into your heart. Remind yourself that you have been rescued. You were once under God's anger, but now you're in the comfort of God. Remind yourself that you were once headed for death, but now you have eternal life. Go back, draw water from Christ in prayer, pray to him, and you will receive the refreshment of God through the water from the well. I love this verse. Let us continually draw water from the wells of salvation. This well of Christ will never run dry. It will always have water. And we're to go back to it time and time again. So we thank God. We trust God. We draw water from the wells of salvation. Fourthly, Christians proclaim God's name and his deeds. Have a look at verse four where it says, Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Isaiah instructs us here to make known the deeds of God and to proclaim God's exalted name to whoever would listen. If Jesus has won, 
such a glorious victory over sin and death. How can we stay silent? If non-Christians still live under the anger of God, and yet there is the way they can receive the comfort of God, how can we not tell them about Jesus that they might receive that comfort? Every Christian is an evangelist. You know, it's not just the job of me and the other leaders in Christchurch Verum to preach on a Sunday and to preach the good news. It's the job of every Christian to proclaim the deeds of God among the peoples. That means you. If you've been saved, God has called you to be an evangelist, to share the deeds of God, to proclaim his exalted name among the peoples. In fact, evangelism is part of thanksgiving. We don't just sing praises in church. We also proclaim the truth about God outside of the church to those who do not yet know God. All of us are called to proclaim God's deeds and God's greatness. And this is not an ominous thing because God says in the Bible that he gives the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says to his apostles, you will appear before kings and courts and rulers. In that moment, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. And the same is true of us. When we declare God's greatness, when we speak of God's exalted name, the Holy Spirit helps us, giving us the words to say. You know, sometimes we can come away from conversations and think, oh, I really did a rubbish job telling that person about Jesus. Well, that's not true. You might think you did a rubbish job, but in reality, the Holy Spirit helped you in that moment and gave you the words to say that you might speak truth into another person's life. And so now I encourage every single one of you, think of at least one person who you can share the good news of Jesus Christ with this week. Decide now how you're going to share it. Are you going to pick up the phone and just say, hey, I was thinking of you. In fact, I was actually praying for you. And I just want to tell you a little bit about what I believe in Jesus, because right now I know lots of people are struggling with anxiety and I found comfort in Jesus. And so I want to tell you about it. Or are you going to write an email or a Facebook message? You know, I've, I find writing things much easier. Maybe write a letter to someone. It's a really powerful thing to receive an email or a letter from someone. And I, I've sent countless Facebook messages to non-Christian friends saying, hey, I, I struggle to say this in person because I'm a bit of a coward. But I really want to tell you about Jesus. And so I'm writing it down now and sending this to you. And I've, I've had positive responses from that. I've had impact in people's lives. I've seen people be saved from messages that I've sent to people on Facebook. It's an amazing moment. Uh, the Holy Spirit giving me the words to type, the words to say in those moments. So think now of one person who you can share the good news of Jesus Christ with and decide in your heart to do it. For you have been called by God to proclaim the deeds of God. And you've been called to proclaim his exalted name in all the earth. That's the calling on your life if you're a Christian listening to this. In thanksgiving to God, make known his deeds to someone you love this week. So we're to thank God. We're to trust God and to not fear. We're to draw water from the wells of God's salvation. We're to proclaim the deeds of the Lord. We're to evangelize. And fifthly and finally, Christians shout and sing praises to God. 
have a look at verses five and six. Those verses could not be clearer that Christians are people who sing and Christians are people who shout praises to God. We love to praise God with our voice. And although we have incorporated sung worship into our service videos that we're recording, we do miss being together and singing together. And it's going to be such a glorious moment, that first song that we sing all together when we meet in face to face once again. I cannot wait. Um, but we can still sing during this time. We can sing along to Temi leading sung worship to us in the video and we can play worship music and we can sing without unaccompanied as well. We're given two reasons to sing in verses five and six. Firstly, we're told to sing because the Lord has done gloriously. In other words, we're to sing of all of God's word. Just as we're evangelizing and telling people about God's glorious deeds, we're also to sing about God's deeds. That's why we sing songs about Jesus' death on the cross. We sing songs about his resurrection from the dead. We sing songs about the miracles that Jesus did when he walked the earth. We sing songs about God saving us. God has done an amazing deed in saving and rescuing us from sin and death. We, we talk about, we sing about creation, a great deed of God in creating the world. We, we sing about all the deeds God has done. God is good and therefore his deeds are good. And he's done great deeds throughout history and in our lives. And we sing about those things according to verse five. And then in verse six, we're given a reason to shout. We shout for great in, in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. In other words, we shout because God is with us. He's in our midst. We shout because God is holy. He's the Holy One of Israel. And we shout because God is great. In other words, we, we, in verse 5, we sing for all the Lord has done. In verse 6, we shout because of who God is. And so really good worship songs don't just praise God for all the things he's done. They also sing about who he is. They talk about his holiness and his greatness and his goodness and his perfection and his love. We, we do both those things. We sing of what God has done and of who he is. And you know what? That word shout might feel a bit uncomfortable. You know, I'm a quiet Englishman generally, but the glory of God and the salvation he has won is surely worthy of a few shouts, in my opinion. You know, let, let's let's throw off our Britishness and shout a bit more. Maybe try it this week when you're feeling low. Just shout, God, you are great. Jesus, you are majestic. Forget about the neighbours. You know what? That Maybe they'll get saved through our shouts and through our singing. Do the same in singing as well. Forget about your neighbours. Forget about the other people in your house. Sing at the top of your voice about the glory of God. He's worthy of our singing. He's worthy of our shouting. I don't know about you, but I find that when I put worship music on in the house, it changes the atmosphere. I can be having a really low day. I can be struggling a lot. And then I put it on a worship song. I find myself tapping my foot. I'm singing the praises to God. It can change the atmosphere because suddenly my, my mind and heart has been taken away from the struggles and lifted to look at God, at who he is and all that he's done. Why not try it today? Why not try shouting today? Why not try singing today? Why not try putting music on today? Lifting your eyes to praise and glorify our God. So the Messiah, described in Isaiah chapter 11, Jesus Christ, has won a great victory. He has turned God's anger away and turned it into God's comfort. 
God in Isaiah 12 is described as strong. He is my song and he has become my salvation. The Lord has done great things. He has great deeds and he himself is holy and great. And for all those reasons, Christians should give thanks. Thanking him every day, all the time for all that he has done for us. Thanking him because we're no longer under his anger, but have received his comfort. Christians should give thanks. We should trust him and not fear. We should know his strength. We know we should know that he is our song. We should know that he is our salvation. And so we should trust him and not fear. Christians should draw water from the wells of salvation. We could go back to Jesus, remind ourselves of salvation over and over again, continually be refreshed with new life from the living waters of Jesus Christ. Christians should proclaim the goodness of God, telling others of his great deeds. Become an evangelist this week. Proclaim God's deeds to your non-Christian friends and family. They are under God's anger. They need salvation. You must do it. How can you describe yourself as a loving Christian if you do not tell them about Jesus Christ? Proclaim God's deeds in thankfulness. And finally, let us sing and shout. This Lord's Day, this Sunday, let's sing and shout. For the rest of this week, let's sing and shout of the greatness of God, of the great deeds he has done, the glorious works that he has worked. And sing of the Holy One of Israel, who is great in our midst with us together. Let's give thanks. Let's trust. Let's draw water. Let's proclaim. Let's sing and shout this week to the glory of God, our Saviour, to the glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ. Your victory described in Isaiah 11 is magnificent and we want to respond like the people of Isaiah 12. We want to give you thanks. Lord, make us people of thanksgiving who thank you in everything you do. Lord, we want to trust you. I pray you would you take away fear from our hearts and fill us with faith. May we remember that you are our strong. You are our strength. You are our song. You are our salvation. And in that, find trust in you more and more. Lord, may we draw water from the well of salvation. Thank you that the well of salvation never runs dry and we are continually refreshed and given new life in Jesus Christ. Lord, may we proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray this week many non-Christians would hear of your greatness through the people of Christchurch Fairham, that we would be bold in thanksgiving to proclaim your deeds and your work to the people around us. And finally, may we sing and shout to your glory. Lord, put a song in our heart, put a new song on our lips. May we praise you. And may we shout of your greatness. Nothing else is worth shouting about, really, compared to how good and great and holy and majestic you are. So make us singers and shouters as we respond to Jesus Christ's victory. We thank you for salvation. We were dead in our sins. Now we're alive in Christ. We were lost in darkness. Now we're flooded with your light and love and comfort. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We give you thanks for we were once under your anger. But now we have received your comfort. Thank you, Lord God. We praise you and worship you today. In Jesus' name. Amen.